0: Welcome in, welcome in, we are almost towards the end of January 2024 and I cannot believe it, what a wild and crazy ride, we hope you have all had a happy, safe, and warm start to your new year, it's been a bit cold out where we are, so, happy new year to you guys, happy January, happy almost February, and happy leap year, and yeah, uh, today's episode is of course presented by Bob Boy Media. The Young Dad Podcast is hosted by the Young Brothers, Jay and Aaron Young. It's about that time for you to pull up a chair, grab a juice box, grab a snack, and let's talk with today our guest, Tom Crefford. Tom is an author of several non-fiction parenting books, which he honestly started by accident. He was just writing in his journal one day, kept writing in his journal, kept writing in his journal. He's like, I need to put these out. Like he didn't even realize he was writing his first book because he just kept journaling writing about all his experience and in- in pregnancy pre-pregnancy everything and when the birth of his first child came he realized he had a whole book of just everything being documented just an account of everything that he has gone through and since he keeps writing he keeps journaling he's loves it and it's turned into several books and uh, several opportunities for him and i'm so grateful that he's on the show today tom himself he became a dad in 2019 to tom when he asked him, when I asked him what being a dad means to him, he said it's the most meaning, meaningful thing I've ever done. Every facet of my identity is anchored to my dadding job. It's a sacred responsibility. And with that, open up your juice box, pop that straw in it, open up your snack, and let's talk with Tom. The so start of something. Newish. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know one of our favorite things to debate playfully is pineapple on pizza. So, this episode pineapple offender of the week is our boy Isaiah. Isaiah Keen, host of the Making Men Academy platform over on YouTube. He thinks pineapple goes on pizza. He doesn't mind it. He likes it. He enjoys it. He is our pineapple offender of the week. So. Go listen to our episode with Isaiah, scroll the catalog, find Isaiah Keen. you'll enjoy that episode, and you'll be able to see if you can support his pineapple going on pizza habit. well welcome in to another episode of the young dad podcast thanks to our live in studio audience huge shout out to them i'm your host jay and joining me today is tom tom how are you today
1: very good jay very good thank you
0: good i'm so excited to have you this is going to be a lot of fun uh a little bit about you i uh whistle stop tour if you would uh new phrase for me over here in the states but you know it's okay um a little about you your partner and in yourself, you guys were told you couldn't have kids naturally. So you guys were working on surgery and working through the IVF process when she lo and behold, she was pregnant. Uh, which is a beautiful miracle in itself. Um, for you, that was a a big, big kind of turning point in this journey that you've been on since. Um, you had so much emotion and So many good, happy feelings, I'm sure, scared, feared, upset, worried, anxious, all the above, when you find out you're going to be a dad for the first time. And so you took to writing in a journal on that morning, and you discovered that in that journal entry, you were writing it to your unborn child. And for you, that was a great outlet, essentially. And so you ended up journaling every day that week, and then the next week, and then three months in, you realized. By accident, you were writing your first book, uh, which you ended up calling, you called, you guys ended up calling your bump Dory from the movie Finding Nemo, and Dory's catchphrase is Just Keep Swimming. That resonated with you because you guys faced some low moments early on in your pregnancy and fertility journey. Your first child, Arlo, was born in 2019. Your first book, Dear Dory, came out in the winter of 2020. So about a year later, uh, from there, you kept writing, you kept capturing everything, all the experiences that, that related to parenthood, fatherhood, dadding. Um, and I, your books, they're super interesting, and they're super unique in the way that they give readers an insight like no no other, because every single moment is captured day after day after day after day, after day moment, growth, every single milestone, it's all captured in real time. And it offers a much broader perspective than your typical nonfiction memoirs, kind of things like that. Um, some of the words that are common in reviews of your book that readers describe your work as is honest, it's relatable, funny. For me personally, reading through it, I just felt it was so like, it was so real. It was so raw. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything like like yes it's a it's a great recap and whatnot, but I'm like that's just that's just how cool it is to be a dad. It's the accurate representation like that's accurate, yeah, like thank goodness you were able to get a lion that night before the next morning of craziness uh and then your second book came out in twenty twenty one uh called Dear Arlo, then your third toddler ink, which I love the idea for that one came out in twenty twenty two And then the one I've been skimming through, The Search for Sanity, came out last week. Well, at the time of this recording, it was about a week ago, so it's been a few months at the time of this release. You spend a lot of your time writing books, free guides on your website, or attending baby expos to talk about your work and let dads know that they're not alone, which is huge. Because like you found... There's a lot of work to do in this field of letting dads know they're not alone and to really spread a positive message about daddying and parenting and uh, even daddying and whatnot. There's a big need for it. And when you go to events, you know, big or small, you're obviously there with a purpose and you're there for a message for dads. So with all that, that's a bit about you. Anything you want to add? Redact? Um, or just let us know a little bit more about you and kind of why you keep doing it and why you kept doing
1: it. Great intro, great intro. Uh, not not much to add on the intro, pretty well covered off. Um, but the, the main point to take away is that, that the books were a complete fluke. I found journaling at the start of my parenthood journey to be a way of sifting through my emotions. When I found out my partner was pregnant, uh, I'm a reader, right? Not just writing books, but I love to read. So my first protocol was to write what's, what books are out there in the market. What can I read? What can help me just begin to get to grips with what I later have understood to be the biggest identity shift that we can undergo as a human being? And I couldn't find a lot. So I, took yeah, as you say, I, I went, found my pen and paper and I started journaling. And that, that was an incredible process. Um, the words just seemed to flow out. I, I found that I was able to tease out emotional blockages and friction that I didn't even know I was harboring until I started just putting words on the page. So that in itself sort of really opened my eyes to journaling and how powerful an ally it it could be just for getting through your day. It's also incredibly cheap. It costs zero zero therapy bills, just a couple of pens, a couple of notepads, and you're along your way. So that, that really helped me begin to get my head around fatherhood and as that journey has progressed and continued, I use journaling as a way to keep me in check as a parent. Every day I sit through and I look at what I've done that day, the time I've spent with Arlo, my son, did I get those decisions right? Did I get them right? Did I spend enough time with him? Did I not? And that that helps me become the best father I can be. Just as simple as that. I think you need introspection and to reflect on what you do in life to be able to learn from those experiences and for them to inform your future choices and and they're just incredibly fun the process of just I, I mean I, I will sometimes go down a rabbit hole and write some pretty deep stuff but most of the time I'm just having fun I just write about the funny stories and the funny things that happen and and you've got a baby, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old—they just they come through thick and fast. There's there's so much to write about. Every year, my friends uh, they're like, how, "How you've written another book already?" I'm like, "I can't stop. i I've got too much material." The problem with my books mm-hmm. is having is deciding what to keep and on what to cut. The material really isn't a difficult uh, difficult thing to achieve at all. I just have a fascinating and compelling lead character who just surprises me every day. Brings me so much joy, brings me so much meaningfulness. It's like, how can I not write about this? And so I tell people that that the books are wonderful and I'm very proud of them and I love that they're there to help other parents, but they really are just a byproduct of my commitment to just be the best dad I could be. It's as simple as that. I just I want to be a good dad. Personally, I don't know my dad. Um, he's never been a part of my life. It's just me, me and my mum. So I didn't have a blueprint to work from whether that was a list of things not to do or a list of things to do. Um, And generally it just helps me figure that out. Um, it's, It's just, it's a very good companion piece and something I'll take with me, and not just for parenthood, but all other areas of my identity, my hobbies, my interests, other things I want to get online, career aspirations, things like that.
0: 100%, I love that. And I love that, you know, where it came from was just out of a place of just needing it as an outlet for yourself just to create something, just to get it out, just to have that outlet that was, you know, what worked for you in the moment. That was like, okay, what what can I do? How can I cope? How can I get through this? And mine just went to journaling and I love that. And I love the the idea behind it that I'm sure you've thought of so many times and heard so many times, but, you know, your son's going to look back on this and he's going to look back on all these books when he's older and be like, holy crap, like I have a whole recount of my entire life. That now I can show my kids, and they can show their kids about their grandpa, and you know, it's just something. It's a legacy piece. It's something that is just like a legacy piece now for you, for him, and then for any other children that that you may have as well. You know, we'll be adding into future stories, um, uh, if there are going to be future children. And so I just think it's so cool that it it's so relatable because it's so simple. It shows like every little development phase and. Just like how it started is you were looking for something and it didn't exist. So you made something for yourself and now it turned into something for others who were in the same boat. Um, A lot about how this podcast started too, was we were looking for something, I had been looking for something personally, like after my divorce and for a podcast that made sense for being divorced and being a young dad and being a single dad. And then I ran across my good buddy, Craig, and his podcast. Uh, single Dad Reboot. And we started talking just on Instagram. I reached out to him. We became friends. Uh, we're really good friends now. Uh, we stay in good contact. And it just kind of evolved from there. Just it's like, well, what is there for like young dad who are in their 20s and raising kids and still growing up and developing and going through like the rough patches of marriage and divorce and, you know, not understanding what that all looks like. And, you know, I might not be an expert. I mean, yes, I have a degree in mental health and human services, and I'm working on a master's in psychology and whatnot. But I mean, I'm not an expert on it. Obviously, I'm no expert. Am I well informed kind of, but I'm not an expert. But I think it's really cool to be able to provide that this kind of outlet like you with your book and this podcast to all the dads out there like, hey, look, like, you're not alone. Like, Even if you feel like you're alone, sitting down and journaling, because that's all you can think of, like, you still have you in that moment, you still have, you're still keeping it together, you're writing it out, you're getting out, you're expressing those feelings, which is ultimately what's important is getting it out, getting it out in an outlet. Because if man, if we keep that energy in, that energy is very easily internalized and turns into self-sabotage, turns into anger, turns into... It fuels rage, it turns into fire, it turns into spite, it turns into resentment, it turns into all these things, it turns into addictions from there, it turns into poor mental health. So just the fact that you're able to get it out and be able to now have fun with it, because you do have a really cool main character. Um, I mean, even the name of your main character is pretty cool. Um, Thank
1: you.
0: So it's it's just a really cool story. It's a really cool You know, idea that has now come to fruition and is three three books. I said three books, right? Four books in, and it's just
1: four books now. Yeah,
0: it's amazing because it documents everything, and you even put stuff about in there about like you know stuff between you and your partner. Like that's the stuff relatable to a dad. It's like oh, we you know we did this thing, or finally had some time for ourselves, or got a babysitter (laughs) to do this thing, or whatever that looks like. So it's really just like oh yeah, like. I'm not the only one whose relationship, you know, maybe we get a lay in once a week, twice a week kind of thing. Um, okay. That's yeah. not as, I'm not as crazy as I think it is because we're just so busy and tired and I'm not just going, going nuts over here.
1: Well, one, one of the things that I, I quickly established, I said to myself, if I'm, if I'm going to keep doing this gig, uh, it has to be honest Whatever I write has to be honest um, and not necessarily just factually true. See, that's important as well. But I, I had to be honest with myself and think, like, what, what am I going through? What am I experiencing? What is the parenting truth that I've been dealing with today? So in some of my books, I have, I have like fictional elements and, um, and I, I just make up these really ridiculous scenes, but they're all grounded in a parenting truth. I'll, I'll give you one example. We once found Arlo sitting on the worktop, and he'd ripped open a ton of tea bags everywhere—just classic toddler stuff. And uh, his mother found a way to defend him; it wasn't his fault. It wasn't even him. And that immediately made me chuckle. And I thought, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Right there, that is a thing. You've, you've got you've got the <laughs> you've got the mum who insists that her little angel can do no wrong, uh, even though he's been caught red-handed at the scene of the crime. So, I was like, well, how, how could I tell that in an interesting way? And in the end, I told it as a, a courtroom scene with Arlo being on trial and as a judge, and me and his mother are the jury and we're, we're answering questions and things like that. And even though it's a bit silly or ridiculous, it's still grounded in that one truth or that one cliche um, with mums and their children, or certainly their, their sons, and how they can just do no wrong in, in their eyes. So, whenever I see something like that, something that I think is a universal truth, uh, as universal as these things can go in parenthood, I immediately latch onto that. That's something I want to explore. Find out why, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people find my work so relatable, um, even if it is a bit ridiculous at times, because it's it's all grounded in truth. That's that's the key key word has to be honest. Uh, to touch on a couple of other things you mentioned, my decision to release Dear Dory out to the world was not taken lightly. One of the reasons I wanted to do it was because I thought it would help other parents looking for the types of books that I was looking for, but that said, I was very conscious that I had wrote a book about my son who at the time he, he wasn't even born yet there was no conversation with him. there's no consent. I took that decision and I ran with it mm-hmm. and I asked everyone i told I told all my friends all my family, I was like I'll keep in this journal. Um, I think it might be a book project I, I don't know yet, but what do you think? Um, without doubt, everyone said, "If my parents had kept a journal when they were pregnant with me, I would found I would have found that fascinating." Uh, that and it was sense. I had the same answer. I, if my mum had done that, um, I would have found it fascinating. So I, I took that as my sort of justification for moving forward, and I've sort of kept, maintained that justification to capture his early life in so much detail. I'm not going to keep going forever. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stop when he goes to school, so well, I'll capture early childhood for sure. Uh, and there was there was another point I was, was going to make, but I'm blanking on it now because we've been talking for, for so long. Um, but actually, one I've remembered it now. Most of my readers are women, they're mums, which was so surprising because when Didoy came out. I didn't think I was going to be able to market to moms. So I thought I was going to get a bunch of emails from very angry pregnant women saying, "Why, why have you described your experience with living with a pregnant woman in this way?" Uh, and I, I just, I thought it was, I thought I was going to get get uh, just harangued with with emails, bombarded with stuff. Uh, the opposite was true. Not only did they completely love the book, but they they read it more than the dad because what I found and what I experienced myself before I turned to journaling is generally speaking not all but generally speaking blokes aren't great at chatting they're not good at opening up they're not good at finding an outlet to work through all that emotional baggage Uh, women seem to be better at it so what i was finding is uh, women were reading my books and then they were giving it to their pet partners and saying is this true can you relate to this and they were going oh yeah no i can actually yeah no it's captured really well and then it would help both of them which as an author who's someone who was making it up as he goes along that that was just most amazing fight um, and discovery for that process um, but it, yeah even if i'm at shows it's more the women who are wanting to buy or encouraging their partners to, to buy the books so it's quite it's quite fascinating
0: 100 and no that rings very true even in this kind of dadding uh dad casting kind of universe that i'm in with all these different podcasts that i Created with all these different dads and their platforms and whatnot, we all pretty much share a very common demographic of about 30 to 40% of our listenership being female. Uh, Right now, personally, I know on Spotify we're right around 40% female, 60% male, but then again, I would assume that that 60% male is because the 40% female listened to it and then shared it with one or two from there um because that's honestly just that's just how it goes i mean i can think of a time or time again that my my fiance now will send me something and it'll be like oh okay no i i get that i relate to that just like you're saying or my ex-wife same kind of thing she would bring it to me before i would find it because yes that rings true in the uk just as much as it does in the usa where we don't want, we don't, blokes, they're not great at talking. It rings true in the UK, rings true in Australia, rings true in the United States, rings true everywhere in the world. Hence why there's an unbalanced, insane demographic of, you know, men's suicide versus women's suicide. It's four to one in the United States. I'm pretty sure it's very similar in the UK. I'm pretty sure it's very similar in Australia as well because all our countries are very similar in these aspects. Um, there's a bit more accessibility in these outside of the USA to mental health services. Our services are way overran. They're sparse in some areas and heavy in other places. And uh, there's wait lists upon wait lists, years long. And it's a defeating purpose at times, even working in the field myself. Um, it's Works. really hard, but I would have to agree with that it's, you know, it's women that are bringing it to their, to their partners and saying, you can relate to this. And then you see it and you're like, oh, hold on. Let me me see that real quick. Um, It's the same for my book, my children's books that I've written. Um, You know, it was very well received by moms and moms would buy it and show it to their, to their partners. I work with mostly women in my workplace, of course, being in mental and behavioral health. And When I published it, they all went out and got a copy and they're like, oh, I can't wait to give this to my husband or my boyfriend or my fiance or my significant other or, you know, this masculine person in my life, dad, grandpa, whatever. Like, I can't wait to give this to him to read to my kid, to read to our kid. So it it rings very true, even in like picture books and whatnot, because that's just, I don't know. It just, it's just how it works. And even in podcasting and whatnot, we kind of, women are the referrers. They're the intake. They screen it. If it works, then they let it go out from there. So they're kind of the kind of the gatekeepers, in an essence, to some of these some of these things, which I think is really interesting. Um,
1: well, I think just harking back to parenthood, I think the role of fatherhood is really up for debate on what it means to a certain individual level. Like if I, I remember yeah. asking my my father-in-law, how many nappies he changed when my partner was a baby. And he said, I didn't change a nappy. Uh, And he wasn't a bad father. He just, he comes from a generation that wasn't expected to. And so we talk about trying to be more hands-on and we're looking to previous generations for how we might do that. But that blueprint doesn't really exist. And I think that the definition of what it means to be a father today really is uh, up to our own making. It's it's not clear at all, It's um, something I think about all the time. And the, the other thing yeah. I think we, we struggle with is if you've got if you've got a lot of dads who want to be more hands on, but they also want to do the career work in the, however many hours a day. They they also want to adhere to all those other parts of their identity that came before, and same for mums as well. Mums are obviously they carry that maternal gene. And a brilliant it' my partner, she is a phenomenal mother. She really is. She was just born to be a mum. But then we've got women who are thinking, hang on, I I fancy a career as well. Why shouldn't I have a career? And we said, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, that's a fair point. You shouldn't. So we've got we've got men and women sort of going about different roles, but what they're not doing is they're not saying, Well, I want to say yes to this, but what am I saying no to? They're saying yes to everything that came before and yes to the new stuff. That to your point about um, the mental health staff that you brought up, I, I think that's one of the contributing reasons we have too much stuff, too much inbound. We're trying to do a million and one things each day. We're not taking that time to reflect, taking that time to ourselves to figure out who we are and who we want to be, what direction do our lives we want to lead our lives in, and I think that can really affect us as parents when you're you know your cloud, your minds are clouded, and you've got kids being kids. Tearing the furniture apart, um, talking 20 times the volume that they they need, they need to talk inside the house, things like that. And I think it's a challenge. I think it's really hard. Um, I, I I mean, if I didn't have, if I didn't book out the time every day to just sit for 10 minutes with a pen and paper, I just, I just can't, I don't know how I'd cope. I don't know how I'd cope. So whether it's women buying our books or listening to your podcast and saying to their partners, hey, check this out. Uh, whatever works right i think that we have a lot of work to do as a society in the developed world to move sort of beyond this and find find a place where we hope it's never going to be easy but easier Uh, and that takes you know who knows how long that'll take who knows whatever avenues will present themselves as viable solutions
0: very true and i think it's really interesting that you bring up this topic because it really is you know Fatherhood is really what you make it. And, you know, we can ask our grandfathers if they, well, m- some people can ask their grandfathers. I personally can't, but I could ask my grandpas if they, um, ever change a, a diaper or a nappy and they're likely going to say, no, great grandfathers, probably an absolutely not. Um, cause that just wasn't their role. Fast forward to our generation, millennials, uh, Gen Z is after millennial, I think, right around our generations. And that statistic, I saw it somewhat recently, probably a few weeks ago, but that statistic itself has gone up from, I'm sorry, um, it's gone up to nearly like 80%. Like dads report that they changed diapers during, you know, diaper years and they're involved and whatnot. So it's changing it's changing however like you said what also changed along with that is that well some of that was based on necessity and was based on having to because women can have the same careers as men we still want to have our careers as men too women want to have their careers too um so it's evolved to the place where well, if both people want to be successful, then both people have to do these certain roles and do these certain things, and both people have to do it. It can't just be one versus the other, because mother's working and I'm working. So now we, when we're both off work, or you're still working and I'm at home, then I still have to do it, kind of thing. I can't not do it because I can't let my kid sit in his own poop, um, of course. So it's very important to um, to realize that, but it is ultimately today it's parenting and relationships and motherhood and fatherhood. It's 100% whatever you make it out to be is what it is. There's no like set roles anymore. There's no like define like, Oh, the mom will, she has to stay home and take care of the kids and feed them and raise them and do all these things for them. Dad's going to go to work and has to do X, Y, and Z and come home, eat dinner and go to sleep and fart and drink beer. Um, that's not it's not how it is anymore. It's it's really what you make it. It's really what you make it out to be. And there are a lot of dads who want who are out there. I see it every day in multiple Facebook groups that are like, "Well, I want to do more, but I can't. I'm restricted. I'm limited." It's a big problem here in the United States. It's a big big issue. Um, one that I personally believe is very easily correctable, but won't because of past incentives that were given by the government during president's post World War Two to incentivize single mothers and incentivize welfare programs and incentivize not having fathers in the home that has carried very negatively over the course of the next what is it, six, sixty, seventy, eighty years post World War Two into today in our country. So it's just a it's a big mess. But it is, it one hundred percent is what you make it out to be you it's a choice if you want to be involved then yeah you're be involved if you don't then it's unfortunate but society is just gonna kind of let at least here in the united states it's gonna let men slide it's like oh you don't want to be involved cool sign your rights away you know the mom's got it no big deal wash your hands and walk away um and there's still stigma around if women did that and all that fun stuff but it's the big issue and it really is what you make. it. If dads want to be involved, then be involved and prove that you are worthy of being involved and because we, we have to prove it. It's not just gonna naturally be given to us because that's just how society's made out to not naturally give it to dads. It's naturally made out to give that lead to, to mothers because that's what has been created in our society. So
1: well, from from my side, when I had a friend, he became a father before me, about a year before me. And when I went to meet his, his daughter and just catch up with him, I said, how, how are you getting on? And he said, the biggest thing I've learned with early fatherhood is that the key to getting it right is to have insanely good teamwork with, with his wife he was referring to. And, and I'm with my partner. I'm not a single parent. We're, we're in a relationship, but I, I've listened to that and that's key. That That's kind of how we determine how we want to approach this thing. Just every week, just constantly talking, constantly talking, trying to find out where we're both at in life. Are we OK in our jobs? Um, what are we going to do that week? What's the food plan? Just just working together as as a team and trying to figure out our roles together as such, rather than on an individual level. That is something that has has helped that's that sort of removes a lot of the friction in fact I, I have a one of my guides on my website is uh i think it's called 10 10 things you can do right now to be a better dad and one of them is to check in with your relationship if if you're in a relationship i know obviously circumstances will vary if you are in a relationship and you're, you're you've got a teammate then how healthy is that team how healthy is that relationship and can you be can you put some belt and braces and um, take your relationship through a spa weekend, improve it. And as a result, will your kids benefit from that as a by proxy from having happy mum and dad who, who, um, <laughs> who like to talk to each other. So I think that's, that's, that's really important. Um, yeah. And for, for me, I, I don't know about the, you mentioned about mums automatically being sort of given the, the reins in society. I, I've not experienced that myself personally, but then two things I would say. One, uh, we had kids a little bit later, so I, I don't know if that has any bearing and we're from the UK. The, the other thing is being involved as, as a dad is it, it's not even a choice for me. It it really isn't. It's not a conscious decision. I, I, I can't not be involved. Um, if anything, I have to sit down and, <laughs> and stop myself from being a bit overbearing, perhaps, now, would you I say just, that's just,
0: common in the UK? Like that's a very common mindset where you're from, and kind of where most men around your same age that are fathers all kind of feel the same way.
1: Oh, that's that's such a good question. Um, personally, my a lot of my friends, like my close friends, they're all awesome dads. They they really are. They're present. They're involved. They're hands on, and the. The dads I meet at the events I do, well, sure, some of them have been dragged along to these events, and they really would be at home watching the F one, uh, which I'm not judging for that. Um, you know, walking around baby fairs, uh, maybe maybe not everything's a cup of tea, but but typically, the couples I meet are anxious parents that want to get it right, and that's why they're there. They're looking. They're not just looking there for buying clothes. They're some of the shows I do they offer all sorts of products and services and also what I find is that when I'm there I'm almost always exclusively the only one there with a message for dads so I talk to a lot of dads because they see me and they're like oh are you, you're here for something for dads uh, and then I sort of go into the normal pitch and tell them about myself but typically the ones I meet are they they want to be there for a reason they want to get it right they just have no idea how, because of course they have no idea how. How do any of us have any idea? Parenthood is this thing that gets landed on our doorstep with no prior training. There's no coach telling us what we've got wrong, how we can do better the next day. We don't get no practice runs, no, no supervision training. You, you just you're given the baby, and the midwife say basically, here you go. You're now a parent. Um, don't let anything happen to this baby. You've got to keep it alive. Um, have you got your car seat? Yep. Yeah, all right. Off you go and then you're straight into it so it's, it's daunting and I think we we underestimate how daunting it is becoming a parent because we assume it's just this easy normal thing because we see it around us all the time you walk out in your street you see parents and they have got kids and as a kid I mean I did it as a kid I was like oh well I'll grow up I'll meet someone I'll have kids because that's what everyone else seems to, to do. I didn't take into account how difficult it will be to have kids because of fertility issues that we've had. Um, I didn't take into account that actually no parent knows what they're doing. Uh, They're doing the best they can with what they've got, making mistakes left, right, and center. And that's okay because how are they not making mistakes? Just, just this whole thing. So I don't like the parents that I access that I actually have those connections with um, typically that they're all there because they want to improve. If, if there are parents that don't really care or they're not that involved or they have different priorities, well then they just don't land on my doorstep at all. I don't see them. They don't seek me out to read my books. They don't seek me out at shows to, to have talks. So I it's, I think like I kind of get blindsided by that a bit. I, I kind of when when I wrote the first book, uh, and I'm still trying to figure this out, it was like right, Dear doey came out. And I was like, well, what is my role going to be going forward? Am I just someone who's gonna write a few books? Uh, get them published and then go off and do something else. Am I going to try and be more of an advocate for like the dad space and try and help other parents? And if I am going to do that, what is that going to look like? um And how am I going to go about that? And that that's something that I still think about over to this day. Really, I'm slowly figuring out what my trajectory will look like, um, but trying to figure out trying to figure out who needs help and who wants help are two separate problems.
0: Hundred percent, and I think that's that's pretty spot on because it's again, it's twenty twenty three, and even parenting for moms or for dads, it's it's a lot of choice. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of choice given. As like, well, if you're not, you can kind of do it however you want to do it. Like, there's going to be no, especially for moms, especially in in our country here in the U.S. in the states, it's. Like, well, if a mom, you guys aren't together, then she's just going to up and leave you without that baby and you're just going to have to figure it out. Like, you're, you know, if you guys aren't together and there's no legal protections in place, a marriage or anything like that previously, then, you know, you're just kind of up and up and screwed about it. And if you don't know how to go about the process of putting in at least like going down to the courthouse and going to the clerk's office and asking, you know, okay, can I get a parenting plan so I can file a parenting plan for an unborn child? so that i protect my rights like you just don't know this information you just don't know it it's not freely given um it's all behind this big secret gate of you know state websites and government websites and everyone thinks like oh i need to get a parenting plan then i need to get an attorney and i need to get all these legal things involved and i can't afford that so why even bother fighting the fight because i mean i'm just gonna lose anyway because we live in washington state or we live on the left West Coast or we live in the east where it's highly blue, or we live in this state and it's pro mom, or this one's less pro mom. So why would I even fight here? Because I know I'm not gonna win. So it's just uh there's a defeat going into it that ultimately kind of defines how much a dad's going to be involved. Of course, it depends on circumstances, it depends on knowledge, but again, that knowledge isn't just there to be there. That knowledge is behind this, this big wall of, well, we're not going to give it to you because, well, you don't, you didn't ask. You didn't access it or you don't know how to access it. So it's really, it's really unfortunate. Um, it's not the best. So, I but think, again, it is a choice.
1: Yeah. You touched on a good point there. Early on, when you're talking about how you sort of created the podcast, you were looking for something that wasn't there. So you build it yourself. I, I did the same, although mine was a fluke. Um, it was I'd later made that decision, but that that's that's key, right? If mm-hmm. we're looking for help in areas where we can't find the answers or the solutions, but you're in, in some ways, I feel like if you if you've got the drive, then you you really do have an obligation to try and maybe scratch that itch, build mm-hmm. something that hasn't been built before, because you can repurpose your pain and frustration. And uh, just redistribute all everything you've learned to other people, so they can have an easier time of it themselves, uh and then they can find another problem that hasn't been solved, and hopefully they'll go and do their thing and build something and then just you know, romantic but collectively, that's how we make the world a better place, right so
0: 100%. I think we need
1: more of that um, in fact when i when I said to you um, I go to these events and i'm like, I'm almost the only one there with the dads i I went to one at the weekend, and there was there was another guy there and he had a Stanford for dads first time i've seen one in like two years and he came over and he introduced himself and he said yeah i'm I'm doing this thing and he's he's trying to build these local dad networks in local communities just awesome i was like i couldn't, couldn't believe it i was really happy to see him and one of the things i said is like we need we need so many more people i should not be the only one here selling books I, there should be lots of other people i should have a lot of competition. Uh, of, of dads selling products and services, and just just getting out there. So, but to see him was really encouraging. Uh, baby steps, right? One, you, you don't 100%. chase world overnight. Sometimes to fill up a swimming pool, it's just the drip, drip, drip of a tap.
0: Hundred percent. And you know, it's it's hard because we want to help. You know, all these dads. We want to help all these other people. All these dads get their get their things together. Get their get their lives together um we want to help them be the best we want to help them learn how to like invest in themselves or become the best version of themselves so that their kids get the best version of themselves but it's really hard for dads because the it's it's not it's not allowed in a sense it's not allowed it's very much um at least you know speaking my reality here in the united states it's like it's not allowed it's like oh well no you just go and be a dad maybe you know involve yourself and go get some pats on the back for doing anything for being a good dad but don't don't improve or be the best because we don't want that for you but oh but your but the mom yes absolutely slay queen go be the best you, go invest in you, go become the best version of you, go be that best mom, go be that best mom 100% of the time. And it's like encouraged. And, you know, that mentality is was a big factor in my divorce because it was so much that there was many other compounding factors, but that was also a factor as well. It's like, well, she's, you know, doing all, like her reality was like me divorcing you and leaving you is, me investing in myself that's better for me because I'm just so unhappy, and society says I need to go and be the best me best version of me that I can be, so I can't be that like with you and whatnot in this relationship in these circumstances um to an extent, I'm better off going and you know not being with you and going and finding someone else and being with other people while we're still in this relationship because that's me investing in me, finding the best version of me because I can't find that with you, kind of thing. Um, and you know, whatever, I'm much happier now. The grass on my side is much greener, um, much happier because now in this relationship going, going back to that, like we invest in each other, we invest, we invest into each other. Like she invests into me. She invests like I told her this recording, you know, we're not living together yet at the time of this recording, but she usually calls me on her way to work and i told her hey don't call me this morning i'm gonna be recording um i love you i'll text you kind of thing um uh, no question asked." she's like yeah have a great recording like go kill it kind of thing like it's there's a there's a level of investment and support into each other into this relationship because she's coming into our relationship as a bonus like parent for the girls for my girls um and then any future children we have she'll obviously be a mom and she's She's fantastic in the role now, and I no doubt she's going to be a fantastic mother. Um, Far beyond my wildest dreams of having a partner and that support. But it's it's a mutual investment, and you have to also invest in yourself. You have to put that time for your own journaling, working out, mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, all these different kinds of health. You have to invest in these different aspects of you and you also have to invest that into your partner if you want to help them also be that best version of themselves so that ultimately your kids get the best version of what parenting looks like because then you're setting up, you're setting them, you're creating a mold, you're laying a foundation for what their future is going to look like if and when they decide they're going to have kids and how that's going to look, the kind of parent they're going to be, how involved, you know, Arlo's going to be with his kids how involved my girls are going to be with their kids um, and what that example is going to look like and how that's going to carry on. And even beyond that, their their want and desire for even having kids, because I feel like that's a lot of the issue today, why we're having a population decline in so many areas in the world is because people see how their parents were raised or how they were treated. And it's like, well, that's all I know how to be. So why would I have a kid I'm just going to go and chase a career. I'm just going to go and chase, you know, chase a dollar. I'm just going to go and chase, you know, my own happy life, or I'm just going to go and chase being in a relationship, but I'm not going to have kids because I know what kind of parents I was, I had. So that's how I'm going to be. and I don't want to give that to a kid. So I'm just going to stop it and just not do it. I'm not going to try to fix these parts or try to be better because I'm just not going to do it because it is a big, scary decision to have kids. And um a really hard one sometimes so it's it all kind of stems back to to all of that and that's kind of where the foundation comes from and investing in yourself and into your kids to get that best version of them for 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 you so
1: yeah you've had sounds like you've had a you've had a rough a few years you've had certainly come through your period of development and growth um See, you and I come from very different backgrounds. I have not been through a divorce or a relationship breakup. I've got friends who have, and speaking merely as a spectator, oh boy, I do not envy that. I do not envy that at all. I've seen I've seen the damage. I've seen the blast radius. I've seen a lot of people get hurt. Um, and I just I, It's one of the reasons why I do not take my relationship for granted. It's so important I don't because... If we let that suffer and that doesn't work out, which, you know, we're not going to hell if that happens. Relationships don't work. They pull down. These, these things do happen, but it's, it's not just the two people in the relationship that get damaged by the the fallout kids, friends, family. It's, it's the blast rage is is huge. And it can take a long time to recover. And in that road to recover um, recovery, Scars are formed, traumas are had, aren't they? All these things that we we want to avoid for our children, but ultimately, you know, life happens and we can't. Um, but you, you kept you to your point about you. You said something that I literally repeat about twenty times a day to anyone who will listen, which is, uh, yeah, if you want to be the best version for your kids, you have to be the best version of yourself. I I say a version of that um, constantly, constantly. Whenever I say it in front of my partner, she just rolls her eyes. Here he goes again, preaching. Um, but it's true it's it's so true if you want the best for your kids you have to become the best version of yourself um, otherwise how are you gonna how are you gonna teach them stuff how how are you gonna show them what they're capable of i i get i get really annoyed when i hear it can be a mum or a dad any parent and they say oh i want a better life for my kids i don't want them to drink as much as i drink as an example and then they open another can and i'm like you you need to be the example you want them to Mm. lead if you want them to live a certain life you need to show them how you can't throw in the towel and then just hope that they don't follow in your footsteps they are going to see you do the thing you don't want them to do what you think is likely to happen and that that upsets me because i I feel like people are giving up on themselves they're throwing in the towel when they don't need to when i mean, you just hear about the most incredible things people can bring the bring themselves back to the brink of yeah total disaster in the most inspiring ways and i feel like we can all learn from that collectively um so yeah always self-development um figure out what that looks like figure out if the career's for now figure out if you want to leave the career for life for, for me one of my big decisions this year As someone who's starting to get some traction as a writer, I have grand plans. After I finish with the parenthood stuff, I want to turn into fiction. And I have this huge fiction series that I really can't wait to get cracking, get started into. But I get most of my writing done in the morning before anyone wakes up in the house. Mm -hmm. And at some point then I get a knock on the door and Arlo walks in and he says, Daddy, can we play? How am I saying no to that? How am I saying no to that? Yeah, I know. It's yeah, a you, have to, you have to
0: answer those bids for your attention. You have to answer those bids for your attention as a dad time and time again. And, you know, there there will come a time when you don't where those bids aren't as.
1: Exactly. Many. They won't, well, they won't come at all. They won't. They won't happen. i I tell you another quick story. We, we were in a, a restaurant once in a hotel and it's pretty busy. Arlo, he was one he didn't want to wait at the table because he's one and who wants to wait at the table for their dinner. So he, he was off exploring uh, and he ends up going under the only empty table in the entire restaurant. And he calls me over. He's like, daddy, dada, dada, dada at the time. He's like, come here. And I was like looking around and there's so many people and they're all eating their meals. So I'm like, oh, sh- what, what am I going to do? And then I thought, how many times am I going to get an invitation to go and hang out with a one-year-old under a table? This is probably the only time it's ever going to happen. True. So obviously I'm going under the table and we just yeah. going to take the stairs. Uh, the wonderful thing about that was I thought we'd get some awkward stares and judgmental frowns from um, other parents saying, you know, get get your kid in line. Uh, the opposite was true. They found the scene delightful um, and they were fully on board with just dad and his kid hanging out while waiting for dinner to show up. True.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. I, I love that. You have to answer those bits for your attention whether you're at the pool and your daughter says I want to have an underwater tea party, I guess you're throwing on the goggles and you're having an underwater tea party whatever that looks like and um doing these things and um you've does... had one of them? You've had an underwater tea party? I've had many many.
1: <laughs> uh, Trying to picture. They
0: there's something, there's something else. They're fun. Um highly recommend, but you know, just just to wrap up here, it's been a great conversation. Really appreciate your time. I want to go into what's called the YDP3. There's just three questions. I ask all my guests a little bit about them just to wrap up the podcast and leave us on a, I guess, a philosophical note um, of sorts. Uh, the first all question right. is, where are you rooted? And that can be like, where are you rooted physically or where are you rooted like in terms of values, what's important? Like where like where do your roots run? Kind of thing? I'm sure you've heard that phrase before
1: well geographically, uh, I live in Northampton, which is in the Midlands in the u k England uh to tackle it from a more emotional standpoint um relationships are key to me, whether that's my relationship with my partner, with my son, with my friends. I'm very fortunate to have a really good group of friends who I met at university. And we we have amazing friendships, but as we approach our forties, the majority of us have children ourselves. And, and as I said earlier, they're, they're great guys. They're all doing a, a really good job uh, with parenthood, but it's it's harder to get time together. Harder to you know make time where we can all commit to and just hang out and do okay, not as often, but just recapture some of those some of those moments that we had of why we sort of fell in love as friends together from uni. That's really important to me. Um, it's really important that I teach Arlo that as well, um, the value of relationships and how important it is to put the effort in. If you find people where you can sit in silence for an hour and it not be awkward at all, keep hold of those people, collect those people as often as you can. If they're positive people and they're positive influences in your life, then share your life with those people. So I, I would say that's, that's a real big one for me. Um, Another, another part of me is I'm quite story-orientated. A, a lot of what I've done in life and a lot of what I do sort of, there's a theme of storytelling from when I was a kid, um, just watching movies and reading books to what I do now, actually telling my story uh, as, as a father. Arlo's really into stories. Books are something we have a lot in our house. And that will be something I will be like, he will be able to go to bed a lot later. If he reads more books, he'll get more money out of me. If he reads more books, he'll be able to get out so much stuff uh, in exchange for him reading books. And he'll think he's winning. Um, of course, when he grows up, hopefully that's, that's exactly what he'll be. So um, yeah, there's, there's my answer. I love that.
0: I love that. And the second one here is what grounds you? Like, what brings you back? I mean, I assume I could probably answer that for you, but... What would you say? I would say uh, probably journaling, maybe some writing, yeah. maybe playing with Arlo. Um, but beyond beyond those things, what are some of the other things that ground you that help bring you back when you're stressed, when you're really needing to like, kind of come back down from high emotions or anything like
1: that? Yeah, so journaling is obviously a big one. Playing, another one. Yeah, huge and when we're playing, it's phones away, no distractions. Sometimes I'll set a timer, let's disappear into whatever world. He he loves Paw Patrol, so we do a lot of that. That's great. Um, exercise is is a really good one. Do a HIIT workout, just change change something up about my day, get away from the desk, get outside and go for a walk. Walking is a big one for me. Get outside in nature and try and get out once a day. I don't always do that, but that that can help. And uh, another big thing for me is once a week I take a bath, which sounds a bit silly, but it, it's not. It's mm-hmm. It just helps me unwind. And not only that, I, I, I get really good ideas, uh, really good writing ideas. So I I, I zone out, I, I forget about everything else. Uh, I have my phone by me. That's on aeroplane mode. Um, I have a playlist. And if anything pops into my head, I quickly jot it down. And then I just get back to zoning out and relaxing. So those, those things ground me.
0: I love that. Those are some great, those are some amazing strategies. I had not thought of just taking a bath and zoning out. I mean, I zone out plenty as it is. And that's where a lot of my ideas come from as well, where I'm just zoned out. And then I'm like, whoa, that's a great idea. Like I had a, an idea for another kind of series of children's books that I want to write eventually or maybe do. And the idea just keeps coming back to me when I'm in that zone out. I like to just sit, I, just, I like to just sit in silence. Like for me, I I really learned after my divorce like how to embrace silence because it was quiet half the time. Now it was just so quiet, and I had to learn what what to find in that silence. And silence is honestly such a such an amazing place to find yourself and to to explore your thoughts and emotions and whatnot. Uh, But beyond that, the third third question here is if I come to you and I'm like Tom look i'm in a dark place i don't know how to get out of it i'm really struggling man what what advice do you got for me i'm struggling you know whatever i'm struggling with my relationship my parenting whatever it is all the things um just your one kind of one key piece of advice um for a brother that's struggling
1: if we we got a def- when you when you say you're struggling what are you struggling with? That That's going to be my first question. If you can't give me a straight answer, then we are talking about that until you can give me a straight answer. Whether we need to go to the pub and have a couple of beers, get a takeaway, go for a walk, whatever it is, we need to, what I will be looking to do is get you to really understand and define the exact thing you're struggling with. Because when we can label it and see it clearly, then we can develop a response strategy to what's this thing. So that's how I would approach it. I love that. I love
0: that because you're, I love that that that's such a hands-on like response like I'm not letting you go anywhere like let's come on you're gonna you're gonna tell me what's going on
1: yeah if my friends listen to this interview they will they will laugh at that answer because they'll they'll be like yeah that's that's exactly
0: exactly true well Tom I appreciate your time go ahead and tell the people where they can find you more of your work um and any social media you want to share
1: So I have a blessing and a curse with my surname, Tom Creffer, Creffer, K-R-E-F-F-E-R. Not the most easy surname to pronounce, but very easy to find my work on the internet because there's not many of me. Uh, I'm on all the socials, but the the best place you can just find out more information is my website, which is tomcreffer.com. Uh, Or you can search me on anywhere around the world, most places around the world where you can buy your books. My stuff is available. It's available on audio, digital, hardback and paperback. Um, So, yeah, check it out. I've got plenty of free stuff on my website. I've got a new parent starter pack if you're a new parent. I have a pregnancy guide for dads, a newborn baby guide for dads, a labor guide for dads, which is really popular. And every week I have a lessons in daddy newsletter that comes out.
0: What was that second to last one? A what guide for dads?
1: Uh, pregnancy, newborn, and labor.
0: Labor, okay. I thought you said yes. labia, and I was like, whoa. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's niche. No, I, I, <laughs> very niche. I, I, I'm very i niche in parenthood. I'm not that niche. No, labor, <laughs> uh, which which is my, does super well. That's uh, that's the one that everyone I signs bet. up to when I meet them at, at, um, at the baby expos. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, my... Lessons in Dadding Newsletter, which is a relatively new thing that's going down really well. So hopefully readers will check that out. Super proud of that. I think one day I'm going to collate them all into a book possibly. Uh, so, yeah, reach out, say hi, ask me anything.
0: Love that. Well, Tom, thank you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate getting to know you a bit better, sharing your story, talking about all things dadding and uh, all the things we talked about today. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate your time. And we're going to let the audience uh, do their thing that I pay them to do. I need you to start driving some positive change with June that's j-o-o-n is your child struggling with behavior habits or routines while at school at home or both well June might be worth a look this new revolutionary app combines a video game that kids love with important tasks and habits that you want them to practice daily, give the app a try for free. Yes, that's F R E E, and use my code dad to earn 25% off of an annual subscription. See why 500,000 families and 1,000 therapists, and I'm included in both of those numbers, are recommending June and visit juneapp.io backslash young dad to learn more again that's going to be j-o-o-n-a-p-p dot i-o backslash y-o-u-n-g-d-a-d to learn more today